0: urging my former colleagues and, and, frankly speaking, the people on the Hill and get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration.
1: I know that we're all going to make a deal on health care. That's such an easy one. <laughs> and Hopefully it'll start being bipartisan because everybody really wants the same thing. We want greatness for this country that we love.
2: Together we must declare that the era of allowing their brutality against women and children is over.
3: It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. Neil A. Caruso, the Neil A. Caruso Show. Show. Time to dream big. (laughs) Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference.
4: All right, Wednesday podcast, March 29, 2017. Welcome to the program today, folks. Uh, We have a blockbuster podcast for you today with new revelations about surveillance We just added to our story this evening before we went to air with uh, some new documentation that came out today in regards to the surveillance of President Trump by the Obama administration. So that is where we will start, uh, plus a lot later as well. But I'm going to keep it to just a few topics today because the past two days we've had uh, interviews and we've had very long podcasts, and I know that I'm sure some of you are just catching up because they're lengthy if you listen to all of them on a regular basis, so let's go on the surveillance. Go on to NeilAkerso.com. I have this all laid out for you, and I have a section connecting the dots. This is in uh, on my uh, article about surveillance, and it is proven, pretty widely reported, that the Obama administration did surveil on candidate Trump, President-elect Trump, and now um, the president, Donald J. Trump. Um, so what came out today is Circa News, a very good organization, uh, the journalists there, John Solomon and Sarah Carter, uh, veteran journalists there Circa News, they report that on a number of occasions in 2016, intelligence reports identified Americans who were deeply intercepted in conversations with foreign sources or the subject of foreign sources' conversations. This is what they write. Quote, sometimes the Americans' names were officially unmasked, other times they were so specifically described in the reports that their identities were readily readily discernible. Now remember, unmasking of American names in intelligence reporting is a felony, a crime of up to 10 years in prison. Circa News continues, among those cleared to request and consume unmasked NSA-based intelligence reports about U.S. citizens where Obama, uh, Obama's National Security Advisor, uh, Susan Rice, the CIA Director, John Brennan, and then Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Those are the ones who can request security. And remember uh, in a in the Comey testifying, Comey was asked from, I believe it was Trey Gowdy, the Republican from South Carolina, about uh, specifically whether Susan Rice, whether John Brennan, whether Loretta Lynch would have access to that Um, to those uh, intelligence reports, and Comey said, yes, um, unless there's something I don't know. It's weird hearing, you know, the FBI director saying, unless there's something I don't know. He should know everything, and I hope he knows everything. So, what we find out today is more connecting the dots. The headline Circa News puts out today, Barack Obama changed how NSA intercepts of Americans like Donald Trump could be shared. Now, we actually knew about shared intelligence— The final days of the Obama administration, the New York Times reported in January that on the Obama administration's final days, President Barack Hussein Obama expanded the power of the National Security Agency, the NSA, allowing it to share, quote, globally intercepted personal communications with the government's 16 other intelligence agencies. That's from the New York Times in January. These new rules ease limits on the NSA's surveillance gathering operations that are largely unregulated by U.S. wiretapping laws. Straight out of the Times, January 12th, 2017. Do I have to repeat myself? They're unregulated. The NSA sharing communications across 16 other intelligence agencies, which would hide intelligence deep in the bureaucracy— and that is unregulated by U.S. wiretapping laws. We have regulations for everything else, and that's unregulated by our wiretapping laws. So what do you have? Further evidence revealing, and you have to understand here, that nothing is done without a purposeful and a intent in Washington, uh, intent here to surveil President Trump. Sharing intelligence across 16 other intelligence agencies loosens accountability. It makes it easy for surveillance and intelligence reports to be leaked and for it to hide within the bureaucracy. When it should be an NSA issue, and then we would know exactly who's accountable, Admiral Michael Rogers. But we don't know now whether the surveillance was within one agency or another. And that was all done days before Obama left office. Okay? So President Trump's proven right here. That he was being surveilled and his aides were being surveilled. If you connect the dots, that's what you're getting here. Out of all this reporting. From journalists, mainstream outlets. So let's be fair there. And we're going to get to some fake news later. Um, Tell you about that later on. But... You know, this whole, and I, again, up on my website so you can read this. You have a FISA foreign intelligence service court warrant granted in October to surveil a computer server in Trump Tower suspected of links to Russian banks. The FBI, of course, found no connection or collusion between Trump and Russia. FISA warrants, by the way, legally supposed to be covert requests and orders, not public knowledge. And then you find out Indiana University professor... A computer scientist, Elgin Camp, is behind the surface allegations of the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank in Russia, which is now warning against potential legal action against Camp. And Camp is a, is a um, Hillary Clinton supporter and donor who pushed a narrative of a connection between Trump and Russia, and that was the subject of an FBI investigation, nothing found. We still have politicians, because all of this became political— we still have politicians now who were, were calling for a deeper investigation into Russia. But they have no idea what they're talking about, and this is all clouded. But the real scandal here, the real problem is the wiretapping, is the leaking of intelligence. And an Obama aide, the, uh, her name is Evelyn uh, Farkas. She is the uh, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense under Barack Obama, and she was on MSNBC today, and she confirmed that she personally, quote, urged not just intelligence officials, but she urged our politicians to get involved in intelligence. That's dangerous. Take a listen for yourself. Morning jail this morning. And then Evelyn Farkas,
0: the the other big story of the day. You actually knew about this uh, attempt to get and preserve information. And full transparency we're doing some work yourself. Tell us well, about that. I well, was, I was urging my former colleagues and, and frankly speaking, the people on the Hill. Mm-hmm. I, it was more actually aimed, aimed at telling the Hill people, get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration, because I had a fear that somehow that information would disappear with the senior people who left. So it would be hidden away in the bureaucracy um, that the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about there the staff the Trump staffs dealing with Russians that they would try to compromise those sources and methods meaning we would no longer have access to that intelligence. So I became very worried because hmm. not enough was coming out into the open and I knew that there was more. We have very good intelligence on Russia. So then I had talked to some of my former colleagues and I knew that they were trying to also help get information to the Hill. A lot going on today. Yeah. mark but That's Alper. why you have the leaking exactly people are worried.
4: Oh, so because people are worried, you have leaking. That's illegal. It doesn't matter what your rationale is. You cannot leak. That is a felony. Now, I have several questions for this former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, Eve- Evelyn Varkas. Uh, surname her name. Um, should she even be allowed... To order intelligence and Capitol Hill, by the way, i we'll talk about that in just a moment, should she even be allowed to send that order? Because that order is something, from my understanding of intelligence, that's a very high-up order, not something that a deputy assistant secretary of defense would be able to order. That's something that only I thought the defense secretary or the NSA director would be able to order. So should she even be allowed to make that order? Should she—I mean, and this is all political. Clearly sounds political. So on Capitol Hill, okay, you have a House Intelligence Committee. You have a Senate Intelligence Committee. I was encouraged by one thing today. Senator Richard Burr of Virginia said that he won't talk about the House investigation. Let's just focus on our job. Good, because his job as a senator is to deal with the Senate investigations, not the House. Everyone likes to do each other's jobs for them. Let's just focus on one job here at a time. And focus on your own work. Um, so you have now Capitol Hill being asked to look into this, and that's now you're involving politicians who have political agendas, and, you know, frankly, um, other uh, uh, people in Washington are not supposed to have um, political agendas. That's supposed to be our intelligence that's not supposed to have any political agendas. Clearly, some of them do. But, when you're dealing with your politicians, they are either Republican or Democrat, and they have certain beliefs. They should not be involved in investigations. They're supposed to oversee our agencies to make sure that they're being held accountable. But... You cannot get politicians involved in such a highly charged election when, listen, 97% of Washington voted for Hillary Clinton. They were vehemently opposed against Trump, and they still are opposed to him. Now, other questions. What, who, when, where, how, and why, all the basic questions, did this potential illegal activity occur? Meaning, when... Did this occur? Did Obama know this? Did Obama order this, whether it be directly or indirectly? Are there felonies committed here? And should people be going to jail for surveilling? Is this overreach of surveillance as it clearly sounds like it? They were surveilling Mr. Trump as a citizen. Now, the FBI looked into this Russian bank narrative. They found out that it was phony. It was wrong. Nothing there. Close the case. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with the incidental collection because that happens all the time. You have incidental collection um, when you're on the phone with a uh, foreign uh, country or a foreign source. But unmasking of American names that put someone's life in danger, at risk, that is a felony. So is it—so this Evelyn Farkas, the Obama aide, saying that um, it is—that she felt so strongly about getting all this intelligence in order. Now remember, the New York Times reported that there was a trail of intelligence left by the Obama administration, a trail of intelligence, so that it would be found on leaks in the media. This is very— very dangerous, and it proves that there is something going on here. I mean, imagine leaving leaks, setting up at nerve center, Barack Obama, today in his D.C. home as a nerve center to oppose the Trump agenda. He's the former president. Go away. Go into the—you know, go onto a ranch like George W. Bush, and let's not hear from you. Um, this is Outrageous. And this goes to show a big government agenda that they just want the establishment and they cannot take an outsider. The Russia whole narrative here is a total distraction from the surveillance and big government because there's nothing there with Russia. If there was, believe me, believe me, President Trump would be impeached by now because you have Maxine Waters, you have all of all of Congress would love, ...to impeach Trump. Believe me, they would. And he's fighting every day just for his job, just to put forth an America First agenda for you, the American people. But this intelligence, you connect the dots here, and it's on my website, neilacaruso.com, all listed out for you. Between the leaks, all legal leaks, that's how we have this reporting... The sharing of intelligence on hiding it within the bureaucracy. Unmasking names, putting lives at risk for a political narrative. For a political agenda. This is very, very dangerous and should be alarming to all Americans regardless of your political ideology. Unbelievable. So Trump was surveilled. Let's get that straight. Trump is right again. And whether it was Barack Obama directly or his administration, we know his administration spied on Trump. Where do we go from here? There should be prosecutions. There should be—people should have an expectation of privacy. They just should. Um, and that's that's the world now that we live in. Um uh, today, just one note before I get to the break, and then we'll come back with some other topics uh, on this Wednesday uh, hump day. Um, you have uh, President Trump today with um, at the White House talking uh, about the opioid epidemic. You know, we have a massive heroin epidemic I've actually seen in New Hampshire. Uh, people literally shooting themselves up with heroin out in the open. And the drugs pouring in, we talked about Sanctuary Cities yesterday with Michael Cutler, a retired INS agent. And what did he say? None of these drugs are produced in the U.S. or coming into our country. So how do we, so all this is connected, and I'm getting an alert as we're recording that the Hawaii judge places an indefinite hold on the Trump travel ban. An indefinite hold until this is all figured out. Until, I guess, he takes this to—I guess he's going to take it to the Supreme Court. I don't know. But all this is connected. Illegal immigration and drugs is very much intertwined. The opioid epidemic, when you have people dying on the streets from heroin, cocaine— there was a big drug bust in the city today, in New York City, that is. When you have cocaine, heroin, all these drugs that are pouring in that have been uh, made and produced outside of the United States— and sold to our children here, that's a non-political issue. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with prevention and treatment? And that's what President Trump dealt with today. And, you know, on another note, because I played uh, in the intro, President Trump wants to work with people. He truly wants to work with both parties. wants to work with everyone to put forth an agenda, a— Plan a laws that work for the American people that benefit Americans. And um, he, in fact, even just uh, you know, speaking of drugs on prescription drugs and lowering those costs, he even met with Elijah Cummings, who has been vehemently opposed against Trump, called him a racist, and met with him. And it seemed like a positive meeting in terms of rhetoric, anyway. But you have Trump at the White House yesterday hosting the senators and their spouses saying we need to work together enough of this, bipartisanship, come on, please. And then, hi Chuck, hey dude, Chuckie Schumer, let's work together, folks. Not everything has to be a political fight, but they're turning everything into a political fight, when it shouldn't be. There should be a lot of basic stuff, like privacy, there should be an expectation of that, and that you're not going to be spied on or surveilled. So, more we know, Trump is right. Obama spied, his administ- administration spied on Trump. Nothing is done without an in, uh, intent, without an effort here. I mean, why would he want the NSA to be expanded to share government intel across 16 intelligence agencies? Why? We need answers on that, by the way. And all this whole investigation keeps getting clouded, and it's just a major distraction from the real issues. It's sickening. It really is. We're going to come back, uh, and when we when we do, we're going to talk about uh, Melania Trump, the first lady at the White House today, talking about empowering women. We'll talk about the true feminism, true empowerment of women, and then also uh, fake news. And, you know, what is the role of the media? We've been talking about that a couple—actually, uh, this week, we've been talking about that a little bit. I saw a 60 Minutes report today from Sunday. I didn't see the show live, and uh, well, I have a lot to comment about it in terms of fake news, in terms of making conservatives look bad, and you know, where where was the outrage when they go after one side, meaning Trump, and well, they just they don't do the same. They don't cover it fairly. Well, here with the ladies of the View have to say about that and the hypocrisy. That's next on the Neil A. Cruiser Show podcast.
3: Get engaged.
4: I mean what are you thinking about, Jerry? Marriage?
5: Family? Oh. They're prisons. <laughs> Man-made prisons. You're doing time!
3: Not that type of engagement. Get engaged with the Neele Caruso Show Podcast by subscribing on iTunes and following Neele Caruso on Twitter, Instagram, and his official Facebook page so you don't miss out on the Important Things in Life. Neele Caruso Show Podcast. A Ranger Station! I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me! So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, B's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update! I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone.
1: I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah. Street. Pizza sounds good.
5: Ballin' Street? Girlin' Street!
3: <laughs> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To start winning again, and we're going to win big league. Big League winning on the D.L.A. Caruso Show podcast. We have big league concept.
2: Each one of these heroic women has an extraordinary story of courage, which must inspire each of us to also achieve more than we had ever imagined possible. We must continue once again to shine the light on the horrendous atrocities taking place in neighborhoods around the corner and around the globe, where innocent families are crying out to live in safety. We must continue to fight injustice in all its forms, in whatever scale or shape it takes in our lives. Together, we must declare that the era of allowing their brutality against women and children is over, while affirming that the time for empowering women around the world is now. As leaders of our shared global community, we must continue to work towards gender empowerment and respect for people from all backgrounds and ethnicities. Remembering always that we are all ultimately members of one race, the human race.
1: From the untamed frontiers of the Western Plains to the skyscrapers of Manhattan, American women in every generation have shown extraordinary grit, courage, and devotion. Our present generation stands on the shoulders of these titans, and that's what they were and are titans. Only by enlisting the full potential of women in our society will we be truly able to — you have not heard this expression before — make America great again. My administration will work every day to ensure that our economy is a place where women can work, succeed, and thrive like never before. That includes fighting to make sure that all mothers and all families have access to affordable childcare. We want every daughter in America to grow up in a country where she can believe in herself, believe in her future, and follow her heart and realize her dreams. And we must dare to dream of a better, brighter, and more prosperous future for all of our citizens. We have no choice. That's what we have to do. And to be honest, whether you're a woman or whether you're a man, you have that same dream. You want to be able to dream. You just have a big advantage over us. You know why? Right there.
4: (laughs) He's uh, pointing to his head, uh, saying that uh, females are smarter. Uh, Wise men. President Trump there and uh, the First Lady Melania Trump. Um, A very positive message. A very um, uplifting message talking about not only empowering women, but, uh, you know, uh, dreaming big. Whoever you are, that the sky is the limit. And, you know, President Trump is someone who, just on this campaign, defied all the odds. And then, you know, in his business life, and if you study that, like I have, you get to know someone who is driven by success, driven by, by work ethic, um, work ethic really um, that uh, resonates and um, he can uh, actually put that on his employees and he he's, has an inspirational business background um, in terms of how uh, dedicated uh, he is, How and listen, maybe his family life suffers, as, you know, you can't be perfect, no one's perfect. But just understand that whatever you want to accomplish, you can. That goes for all people. Um, you know, listening to the First Lady there talking about how uh, the brutality is over, that we need to end that. Well, what she, I'm sure, is referring to, and she's a very bright intelligent woman, what she's has to be referring to is the injustices that are taking place not in our country. Our country—listen— We have it pretty damn good when you look at other countries, like Saudi Arabia, like Iran, like Qatar, like all of these nations, some of which were on that travel suspension, uh, President Trump's travel suspension, which are still tied up in the courts now. And that is what women face in countries like Saudi Arabia, Iran, Qatar, the UAE, Oh, all countries that Hillary took money from. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And what do they do do to women in these countries? I'll tell you. You cannot leave the house with a, a male supervision. You cannot drive. You cannot go to school. You have to cover your entire body. If you commit adultery, you are stoned to death. You are persecuted for your beliefs. And, by the way, in these countries, Christians and Jews are persecuted. They're not alone. But women literally have no rights, if you want to talk about women's rights. So if we're going to have equal pay, they can't even leave the house. They have to literally be on hand and foot for their man. How sick is that? And, by the way, homosexuals are thrown off buildings. And if you come out as gay and you're in Saudi Arabia or any of these types of uh, countries where they practice Sharia law, well, you're just executed. So the brutality is a—that's a large scale. If you want to talk about global policies, that is one that needs to end. And how do you do that? Because they these countries, want to, they want to send their people here. They want to come in as refugees. They want to come in as immigrants. And they come in illegally. So what do you do? You don't allow them to come here unless they assimilate and develop American values. And that they come in here and they don't just create their own community where they abide by their own damn Sharia law that persecutes people because we don't believe in that in the United States. We believe in freedom and we believe in women's rights. For all those who say oh well you know Republicans are against women. That's not true. And when you look at these countries and what they do, I think you gain an appreciation for the United States. But they need to come here. If they're going to come here and they got to come in legally, they come here. They need to assimilate. They need to give up these radical views. They cannot practice sharia law in the United States, and we need to enforce that law. Now, that goes to the brutality point that our First Lady said and talked about. Also, value of hard work. You know, for any person, but women, men, whatever you are, whatever gender you subscribe to, um, you can accomplish anything with hard work. If you believe in yourself, anything is possible. If you work hard, you can accomplish your dreams, and that's what the president and first lady are saying there. You know, meanwhile, where are the feminists... On you know this brutality in Saudi Arabia, where are the feminists today on the illegal alien rape? The criminal who raped a 14-year-old an El Salvadoran and uh, and Guatemalan two two illegal immigrants raping a 14-year-old girl in a Rockville, Maryland high school, tying her into a bathroom stall and raping her. Where are the feminists coming out about that? Oh, it does not fit their agenda because they want to protect illegal immigrants from bad old Trump because Trump's out to get all of them. I mean, seriously. Okay? If you are going to speak up for women's rights, then speak up for women's rights and speak up for it on every issue. That's the problem, is that people only subscribe to their dogma when it is When it fits their agenda, like the Women's March, well, you can march, all women are included unless you were pro-life. Unless you believe that abortion is killing a baby. So, unless you believe that, you're welcome. That's the problem with the ideology divide that is in this country. And, now, I believe that opinions are good. I obviously give my opinion here. But, what I do is... I respect all opinions. I I mean, I can't respect some because there are some that are so radical. I mean, for instance, Sharia law, I do not respect, obviously, okay, to be clear. But I respect both sides of the issue and love debates that I do. But when you just—it just fits your narrative, and when you— when you can only accept opinion from one side and you cannot listen to another one, that is where we fall into problems. So let's get into fake news. Well, you know, I talked about this uh, Monday because I wrote about it on my Facebook page on Sunday uh, about how uh, Ted Koppel of CBS uh, uh, CBS News and they did a CBS Sunday morning report about um, – the news and about the ideological divide, but it it turned out to be a real edited um, piece making conservatives and Sean Hannity look bad. That's one example. I have another example for you, something I saw today. Let me play you how The View— and you're also going to hear the clip of how Ted Koppel interviewed um, Sean Hannity and basically said he's bad for America. Take a listen to how The View— handles this and, and the hypocrisy here. And then we're going to react because it's all this today. And, you know, frankly, they only agree with free speech unless it fits their agenda. Take a listen to this. I'm sorry I got to put you through this. I really, yeah. Apparently,
5: maybe in the last couple of days, two generations of news media went head to head when Sean Hannity sat down with veteran newsman Ted Koppel, where Koppel explained the biggest difference between the two of them. Take
1: a look. You think we're bad for America? You think yeah. I'm bad for America? Yeah, you do. In the in the long haul, I think you really? and all these opinions shows. That's sad, Ted. No, you know why? That's sad. Because you're very good at what you do, and because you have attracted people who are determined that ideology is more important than facts.
5: Bam! Drop the mic. You know, because people, I I think people look at Fox News as a a news outlet and think of Sean Hannity as a journalist and newsman, and he's not quite that. See, I I disagree, though. I think when people look at Sean Hannity, they look at, him for
0: what he is and that he's opinion in the same way that see I think Sean Hannity I agree with him on a lot of issues disagree with him on some I actually do think he's good for America in the same way that I think Rachel Maddow is good for America I like and I Bill Maher is good for America I wanna hear the more opinions the better and that doesn't mean that I'm gonna watch him and I'm gonna agree or I'm gonna form my opinion based on what he's saying but, but does the more it bother you that they have, don't
5: that does it not bother you that he has not really used very many facts when he's Sort of reporting. Well, style. I disagree well, with, with that. I, I mean, I, know,
0: I, I used to do his show a lot. There were a lot of fact based reporting. And what I like about yeah, his show I, I and was, many others. But he's
5: not a journalist, Jed. I mean, that, that's, not that's the bottom to line. Be, he's he not he doesn't claim to, to I be think a journalist. Know the difference. The opinion, I don't either.
0: I, I think what I liked about uh, they don't. They don't know the difference. And what I liked, uh, another thing that Ted Koppel said is when the opinion page. It's fine to have the opinion page in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. But when the opinion page replaces the front page of the newspaper, that's when you have a problem. And that's the
5: problem with Sean Hannity's show because his opinion has become the news and his opinion has made its way into the White House. It's also true that when Trump was running, no no journalist checked his lie. They should have right. been checking the lies as he went along. That would have helped a lot. They started doing well, that later, later on. Now they're doing it, but a day late and a dollar short. Mm. <laughs> lot of people that watch and this is not an insult to Jed having been on Fox News but I know a lot of people specifically that watch mm-hmm. Fox, Fox, mm-hmm. Fox News mm-hmm. and equate it to the networks and the broadcast yes. journalists and they yes. don't know the difference I think you're like you difference. said I think they do if, I think it's because you know how clearly the line is drawn but I think there are a lot of people oh. that are seeking someone to represent them and they don't know the distinction but there are people, isn't it interesting that over the weekend you know he Trump calls the Washington Post and the New York Times fake news, right. fake yeah. news. Right, right. but after he failed at Obama Obama, the Obama Oh, yeah, we're going to get The to? first ones he called yeah. were the New York Times and the Washington yes. Post. Yeah. <laughs> that was was. Yes. That was. Yes. That was yes. But, was but awesome. every news network, yes. just every news
0: network within their division has opinion and then has news. So you can't equate Brett Baer on Fox News with Sean Hannity, and you shouldn't. Brett Baer is a hard news guy. He does the debates. He's not biased. Watch his reporting, it is not biased. However, if you watch Sean Hannity, you're getting a bias, and he admits well, to that that's He's a but right wing commentator.
5: That's, but that's the difference. That's the difference that Ted Coppins. Is pointing out because Ted Koppel, you don't know what his personal opinions are, and that is, you know, when well, you, you know that he thinks when Sean Hannity's bad for America. So yes, that tells that, me that's, about he, he says that pretty. about, wait, wait, says that about also, MSNBC. Also, he's, he's not, also he he's also yeah. not working right now as a journalist. He, he was talking about how he feels, and right. that
4: is his opinion. Oh, so he's allowed to have an opinion? That's obviously courtesy of ABC's The View. He's allowed to have an opinion, Ted Koppel is, because he's a journalist, so he's allowed. What well, that makes no sense whatsoever. There's so many things I have to digest here. I don't know where to begin. We'll I'll start on that. Okay. Sean Hannity is not a journalist, and he makes that very clear, that he's an opinion host, as is Rachel Maddow, as is uh, a bunch of CNN commentators, uh, Don Lemon. So you have... Um, Comment. Uh, there's a big difference, and they don't give the American people credit. You notice that they keep saying, the leftists anyway, Jedediah uh, Bila, who I actually uh, have met a few times, um, was the more fair-minded one on the couch, and believe it or not, she is uh, more conservative, um, and is just more fair-minded there, is more open. And um, you have here that, you know— the, the irony, the hypocrisy at the end where Whoopi Goldberg says, well, you know, Ted Koppel's not even practicing journalism now, so he's allowed to have an opinion. No. If you're a journalist and you say that you do not have an opinion, then you do not have an opinion. So we talked about this on Monday. By him saying, yeah, I think you're bad for America, and that I don't think you should have an opinion. First of all, the stifling free speech, number one. Number two... Who the hell is he to say Sean Hannity or anyone else, myself included, anyone, not allowed to have an opinion? I have no problem with Rachel Mano having an opinion. I don't agree with her, but I don't mind her having an opinion. I think that she hyped up those taxes and it was hysterical to see her proven wrong because she clearly has an agenda. But opinion is not the problem, and you have to give—they have such utter disdain. For regular Americans as they speak from their perch in New York City, they don't understand regular people who they know the difference. Are they saying they're dumb? Which is going to lead me into another uh, point I want to make about uh, a 60 Minutes report and something I heard out of a journalist's mouth today. They have such utter disdain and they actually believe that they that we have to control the news because otherwise they don't know what they're talking about. And we have to make sure that we only have strict news and we can't have commentary. No, I think commentary is good because it opens dialogue. And when you watch 30 minutes of network news, you're not getting the full story because it's either shaped and edited a certain way or which most, I mean, every story is edited, or it is fit to a certain time that does not allow for commentary like this program where we can delve into issues without a time limit. So why is talk radio? Why is conservative media bad? Notice, they don't say that anyone else is a problem. Rachel Maddow, fine. CNN, fine. But Sean Hannity, no, God forbid. Okay. And people do know the difference. The American people do know the difference between commentary and not. And give Fox credit because they do have great journalists, Brett Baer being one of them, John Scott another, Eric Sean. You have a bunch of hard news journalists, Shepard Smith, um, that work there, and very fair minded commentators for both sides of the political aisle, by the way, that work there. And then obviously in the evening, you do have commentary. But there's nothing wrong with that, as does every other network. And even the networks on CBS, ABC, NBC, they have commentators as well for political debates, etc. And then the comment about the opinion pages are now moving to the front. Yeah, I'll tell you when the opinion pages move to the front. It moves to the front when the New York Times said on their front page that they could not treat candidate Trump fairly. That they felt that President Trump, or then-candidate Trump, was such a detriment to the United States that we can't cover him fairly and we are going to attack him. We're going to call him a liar. So, you know, that's another point where they go, well, they never called President Trump out for his lies. Wrong. They called him out when he was right. They called him out on the surveillance. Guess what? What did we talk about earlier? He is right again. He turns out to be right every damn time. You are fake news. So... What is their point? Because you have the opinion pages did move to the front pages, but it was on the left-wing agenda to undermine someone and to bring them down. NBC released, leaked a That Access Hollywood tape that they knew about for at least a few months. Obviously, it's been in their database since 2005 as an archive, which shouldn't have been there anyway. I don't know about you, but I, I delete. All of my my uh, excess footage that I don't use, and, well, not all of it, but there's you know there's a lot of things that uh, are clearly would never be used for anything that I delete. Now I'm very careful about what I say, on and off the air. I'm not going to be politically correct necessarily, but I'm not going to be uh, off the rails either because I know that anyone could record me and anyone can put that up and say, oh look at what Neil said, okay, and try to ruin my career. Because, believe me, people want to bring me down. Believe it or not. I saw a 60 Minutes uh, report today. It was from Sunday's show. Scott Pelley, you know, the guy who says, President Trump with bravado and with loose facts. I can't do his voice very well because my voice isn't as deep as it's. Uh, They So, today, I'm listening to to this report about fake news. And now... They interview Mike uh, Chernovich, a lawyer who, listen, he does put out a lot of fake news articles. There was a story that he put out of diagnosing Hillary Clinton, uh, saying that she had Parkin- uh, Parkinson's disease when she fell. She had pneumonia. She fell. She obviously wasn't—I'm I- going to be fair-minded here and be conservative on this because, frankly, she's not the president, and I'm not going to waste my time on her because she's gone. And I'm mean, not even wasting my time about the speeches she talked about yesterday— uh, talking about how we had to resist. I'm not going there because I don't care because she's not our president. And so they do a report. Mike uh, Chernovich's lawyer, uh, Trump supporter, he's putting out a lot of articles that are fake, that are phony, about uh, Hillary having Parkinson's, and he had a doctor write off on it. And he sourced somebody. But the problem is that we went. That piece was a 15-minute piece, I think. Six minutes in, all that they did was make it seem like all the fake news is right-wing-based, which if you have a short attention span like I do, um, and—well, I'm kind of kidding about myself there, but seriously, if you have a short attention span, which a lot of people do, and they only watch the first five minutes, they have the impression that only right-wingers, only conservatives, perpetrate fake news. That is the impression that they put off. And so I made it clear in a discussion today that that's what that piece did. And then when you get to the sixth minute in the piece, then finally they showed a couple of fake news stories that are perpetrated about Trump. But they didn't cite their own damn reporting. Because if you look at it, and this is what I brought up to a journalist who—this journalist, by the way— Showed utter disdain for Americans today, saying, well, you know, there was—well, I'll get to that in a second. Let me stick to my point. Neil, stay focused. (laughs) Um, Remember Trump derangement syndrome that was perpetrated by The View and that was published all over. Remember the Washington Post and New York Times citing doctors who diagnosed Trump with mental illness. This is multiple doctors throughout the entire campaign— after the election, even the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Guardian, a lot of left-wing uh, mainstream news outlets, that reported that Trump has a mental illness and we have a doctor who diagnosed him from watching his rallies. And I brought that up, and I asked that, and people said, "You know, that's not a that's a fair point." So I said to myself, while I was driving home in traffic, I said, "I have to I have to bring this up tonight." Because it's pretty fair-minded, and a lot of liberals agreed with me. Yeah, that's right. How could you—you're you're being hypocritical to say, well, how could you diagnose Hillary Clinton from afar, and that's fake news, and then you can diagnose Trump and say, President Trump has mental issues, and anyone— uh, and there's uh, Trump derangement syndrome in America, and uh, electile dysfunction that women were not— uh, uh, having sex with their husbands because uh, they voted for Trump. Real stories perpetrated by the mainstream media that should never be in a newspaper or in a news story. Never. Doesn't make any sense. Now, this journalist I spoke with today should utter disdain for Americans, call them uneducated, and cited a study that said, and this is, this is how it backfired, by the way, citing a story saying that, um, you know, who is—between uh, uh, conservatives and liberals, um, I guess the the point of the study was um, uh, who falls for fake news more, I guess, liberals or conservatives. And so the expectation—and he said that he was surprised because he thought that it would be the uneducated middle Americans that would ha- would not be able to discern— between real news and fake news, so it's exactly what the View said, and those uh, ladies talking about um, the fact that people cannot uh, discern between commentary and hard news. I give people credit. I give Americans credit that they can. But they were. But here in this study, this journalist said, "Well, I, uh, you know, I-, I was shocked that." uneducated, conservatives, middle Americans. They're the ones who can discern between real news and fake news, and they actually understand things better. Yeah, because they have principles, and because they don't believe everything they hear, and they do have strong convictions, but they look at things pretty fair-minded, I think. At least those who are more moderate, who um, are good people. The liberals, it turned out in this study, were confused more by, between fake news and real news, you couldn't tell the difference. Here's the problem, folks. And it's not necessarily a liberal versus conservative thing, but for the most part, what I notice is that these liberals are in a bubble. And there are some people in general in a bubble. But if you're going to live in a bubble and not know anything, and not want to know anything, then you are going to be misinformed. And that's what we'll be trying to avoid here on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. We want to inform you of everything that you need and should know. So that wraps up the podcast for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. And we're already planning a big league show for Sunday. If I'm Michael Cutler will be on the program, I confirm with him, to be on the program on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're going to talk about sanctuary cities. We'll go over the stats and we'll get into anything that comes our way because you know the news just never stops. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Till then, God bless you and God bless America.
3: The Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast is a production of Crusoe Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining, passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference. Following Neil A. Crusoe on social media and log on to neilacrusoe.com to sign up for Crusoe's comments newsletters and be the first to know.